Let's thank God for what he's doing. And uh, ministry with middle school, high school, and everyone who's serving our students. Amen. Can we give it up? Something special is happening in the next generation here, starting at birth and with Grace Kids, and we're thrilled. Listen, there's so many great things that God's doing at Grace. It's probably hard for you to keep track of it all. It's difficult for me, and I'm on here staff full-time, right? So what do you do? There's the app. Check out the app. There's the website. Check out the website. Social media. Get connected on social media. Here's one other thing. We've got the family news. At the beginning of every month, this is something tangible you can take home. Maybe you didn't realize it every month. Can we give it up for Nicole, the communications team, and what they put together? I'm highlighting it here in case you miss it. But right here, you've got all your next steps. How do you serve at Grace? Maybe you've been wondering. How do you connect at Grace? Maybe you've been thinking about that. Resources available to you. And then all the March events. Everything that's going on at Grace, there's a lot of ministry happening. It's exciting. So fear of missing out is a real thing. Don't, don't miss out. You've got your family news and run with it. Run with it. Also, this Wednesday, as we're going through the series about the kingdom, Seek First the Kingdom of God, we don't just want to study the Bible. We want to have a time set apart where we seek God first. And that's why we're gathering Wednesday night to receive more of God's presence and his peace and his power to receive his love and to draw near to him. There's a promise in the Bible. God will draw near to anyone who draws near to him. That's a promise. That's gonna happen Wednesday night. So come hungry for God's presence and we're gonna seek him together. There's gonna be some worship. There's gonna be prayer. It's gonna feel a little different than our weekend services. And it's gonna be time, in some ways, some simplicity, very relational with God. And we're excited about Wednesday night. Keep it in prayer. And people from other churches or people who don't go to church can come as well. We're gathering together Wednesday night at 7 right here. Today we're in Luke chapter 18 and we're going through this series, the parables of Jesus. This is a very encouraging parable. Does someone need an encouraging parable today? Yes, when it comes to prayer, we need some encouraging parables. Anyone tempted to give up in prayer? Right? If we're honest as a church, we're going to see hands up because it's very tempting. One of our greatest temptations in prayer is just simply to give up. And Jesus knows this and he comes alongside of us and he breathes life into our souls and into our times alone with God in prayer, times together with God in prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. As one family, we gather. As one family, we pray and seek you, God. And as one family, God, we receive from you. We thank you that you're so gracious and generous that you fill us up to overflow and that we look around and to see who we can bless locally and globally. God, this is the rhythm. We want to abide with you, Jesus. Anyone who abides bears much fruit. And so today, right now, we're deciding to abide with you, Jesus, and give you glory. In your name we pray. Amen. If you could ask Jesus to teach you one thing, what would it be? For the disciples, it was teach us how to pray. One of the best kingdom habits that you can cultivate at every age and stage of life, at every point in your walk with God, is a vibrant prayer life as you seek God. When you pray, it fuels your passion for the kingdom and it fuels your kingdom purpose. Prayer alone is not powerful 
But God is powerful and God works through prayer. Prayer does not get the glory. God gets the glory. But when we pray, God fuels our passion and our purpose for the kingdom. Here's a phrase that we can say often. Let's pray. Let's pray. Go ahead and say that. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's say it a few times. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Turn the person next to you and say, let's pray. Let's pray. Just get used to saying that during the week. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. And you know what the sequel is? That's the starting point. Let's pray. You know what the sequel is? Let's keep praying. Let's say that. Let's keep praying. Let's keep praying. Turn the person next to you and say, let's keep praying. Let's keep praying. You got two phrases for this week. Use them generously. Let's pray. Let's keep praying. Let's pray. Let's keep praying. That's the heart of this parable in Luke chapter 18. It's a parable on prayer. And it's a parable of a persistent widow. Starting in verse one. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. Three truths to help us continue to pray. First, your situation brings motivation as deep longings. They can become deep prayers. The situation that you're in that's difficult is actually something that can help you guide you, be a reminder to pray in those deep desires that you have. That's what makes deep prayers. You have deep desires already. Turn those into deep prayers, deep calling to deep. That's what this widow is doing, deep calling out. Now here's the situation. We have a widow and in the culture, she would have been the most vulnerable. Widows and orphans throughout the entire Bible, God says, look after widows and widowers look after orphans. Why? They're the most vulnerable. And this is what religion looks like. This is what faith looks like, to care for widows and to care for orphans. Don't miss that theme throughout the Bible. And so with that, she doesn't have a spouse. She doesn't have protection others have. She doesn't have family others have. She doesn't have the opportunities others have. But one thing she has is persistence, and that's a very good thing. Persistence is a very good thing in your walk with God and in your prayer life. Now, some of you in this room might be a parent or a grandparent, and you're wondering if persistence is a good thing because you have a child with a lot of persistence. Well, continue to pray for that child, shepherd that child, train that child, and remind yourself that this persistence is very good. And as they grow and grow close to God, this persistence is going to be awesome for the kingdom. It's going to come under the lordship of Jesus. And look what can happen when the followers of Jesus are persistent, including prayer. Also in this parable, we have an unjust judge who neither fears God and doesn't care about people or the needs people have. This might be a judge who's Roman 
and saying no frequently to Jewish people who are coming. We don't know all the dynamics here. What we know is there's a refusal and the judge keeps telling her no until the judge's no collides with the verb tense of her coming, which is imperfect, meaning she continues to come. He says no, but she comes back. He says no, but she keeps coming. She says no again. You can't stop her from being persistent because she's coming every time he says no. And what's going to win in this class? She keeps coming. She comes frequently. She comes repeatedly. She comes day and night. She keeps appearing in his courtroom. Do you have many people in your life that just keep showing up and appearing? And you just wonder, are they getting the hints? They just keep coming, they keep calling, they keep texting. It's like, what's going on? Well, she's pleading that there would be justice, that the judge would do his job and tackle injustice. When she says avenge, she's not pleading as much for any kind of revenge. That's not where she's going or even punishment. The primary plea that she's bringing is for protection. As a widow, I don't have it. Judge, I'm pleading for protection. In America these days, sometimes you really need an advocate. Sometimes you need to be your own advocate. There are systems. It could be with insurance you need to be an advocate. It could be in the medical world that you need to be an advocate. Or financially, there's different situations. Or legally, it's important that you're persistent. And when you feel like giving up, ask God for help so you can keep going to tackle injustice and make sure that things are decided in a way that's right and honors God. Do everything you can. Well, the judge points out that he's getting a little weary. This literally means lest she gives me a black eye. This has two meanings. It means she annoys me and annoys me and wears me out. It also means she can damage my reputation. This unjust, selfish judge is realizing this doesn't look so good when someone keeps coming every day asking for justice. And because she's bothering me because she's starting to wear me out. You know what? I want her to stop. And this compelling persistence she brings, well, what's the result? Justice and protection. Prayer includes persistence. When you're persistent in prayer, you're not bothering God. When you're persistent in prayer, You're not laying more burdens on God's shoulders that he can't carry. When you're persistent in prayer, you're not boring God. He's not bored with your continually crying out to him night and day. No, it's a good thing to be persistent in prayer. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5, Paul writes to the people he loves, and this is a prayer. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and to Christ's perseverance. In all that you do, may you know God's love and Christ's perseverance, including prayer. And as you pray, may you know how loved you are and may you continue to pray like Jesus and the example that he sets. You might have been praying for specific people, situations, or places for years or even decades. 
One of those places for me is Northern California because I served as a pastor there for over seven years and continuing to pray. God has placed me so frequently in locations where there's very few Christians and the Bay Area is such. I had an opportunity to go back and on secular television just recently share about the hope of God. And the Bay Area is still on my heart. You have some people, places, and situations on your heart and they're there for a reason because God doesn't want you to forget about those but continue to pray. And on this trip, we also acquired my parents' old minivan because we have four teenagers and one of them is already driving. And so we received and drove the van from Northern California back up to Seattle. And I'll tell you, that'll help your prayer life when you drive an old minivan with 170K miles through Oregon as a snowstorm breaks out and we're not sure if we're gonna make it through the pass and I'm driving and my son's driving and just continually praying. You're gonna be in some situations in your life where you know persistent prayer is the call of the day. So don't quit. Many people stop with prayer. Now, when people stop praying, it's very rarely, I quit. I don't hear that. I'll never pray again. I don't really hear that. Prayer's a waste of time. It never works. I rarely hear that. People don't quit praying suddenly. They quit gradually. And as they quit, they're still saying prayer's great. God answers prayer. But the reality is they're quitting. They're quitting. And there's less and less prayer. And now prayer gets shrunk into maybe a quick prayer at church or a quick prayer before a meal. But the home isn't vibrant with prayer. Where we live, work, learn, or pray. We're not bringing prayer. And practically, we've quit. Doctrinally, we haven't quit. Doctrinally, oh yes, 100% behind prayer. But are we really going for doctrinal accuracy or are we going for abiding with Jesus? And gradually, prayer, well, we quit. And how does that work? Well, in the Old Testament, God said, who's gonna stand in the gap? But the people were distracted. And there was no one standing in the gap for the nation and for those who are hurting and away from God. Who's standing in the gap? Well, they're distracted. They're distracted. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, said, pray and don't give up. Don't fall asleep, but pray. What did they do? They fell asleep. They got spiritually drowsy and they stopped praying. Why do we stop praying? Because we're so distracted. We got so many things going on. We're so busy. We got so much technology. I would honestly rather just flip through my social media and do that for 20 minutes than I would get on my knees. It's easier to do that. And we get drowsy and we fall asleep spiritually. We know we're supposed to be doing it, but honestly, we're just not doing it. Husband and wife, not really doing it. Kids, grandparents, grandkids, not really doing it. And it's so easy to quit in prayer. And that's why Jesus comes alongside of us to encourage us and build us up again, to get our kingdom focus back. And as you think about prayer, I think of Moses because Moses started out with prayerless action. Do you have those seasons in your life? Can you think of those moments? Prayerless action. He knew God called him because it was time to be set free from slavery in Egypt. So what did Moses do? God, I've got this, watch me work. And he killed an Egyptian. Well, Moses wrestled with this his whole life. One time he was in anger and he just struck the rock. 
Why? Because he went back to prayerless action. There's a way that seems right to a man or woman, but at the end it leads to death. Moses, lots of prayerless action. But things started to shift in Moses' life. And as there was opposition, let me tell you, you can be right in the will of God, making the right decisions, and opposition increases. Don't ever think that because you're faithful to God, that opposition's gonna shrink. No, you can be 100% faithful to God, and opposition just keeps increasing. That's what happened in Moses' life. He knew it was time to go to the promised land, but the people didn't want to go forward. They wanted to go backwards. There's going to be so many times where God's saying go forward and the people are saying, we want to go back, back to Egypt, back to the past. Can we please go back 10 years ago? No, God's moving forward. Why are you trying to stop this? And so they complained against Moses, which was complaining against God. And they complained and complained and complained. And you know what Moses did? He got face down on the ground and he prayed. How often do you go face down when there's opposition? How often in the spiritual battle do you just go face down? Moses learned prayerless action is not gonna accomplish this. And he learned how to pray. 40 days he spent with God. Not everyone wanted to go fasting for long times. Not everyone wanted to go to the top of the mountain. Not everyone wanted to get close to God. In fact, they said, Moses, why don't you go do that? Uh, we're not really interested in spending that much time with God and getting that close to God. Moses, be our representative. But there was revelation. And Moses said to God, show me your glory. Because he got caught up with the beauty and wonder of God and his presence and his kingdom. And it was greater than anything the world had to offer. See, Moses in a battle, as the battle broke out, Moses was, he was content in some ways just to continue to pray and lift up his hands and pray all day long. Yes, some people fought in the battle. Joshua fought in the battle. But when Moses lowered his hands in prayer, they started to lose the battle. When he could keep his hands up and he said, oh, help me, guys. And he had two friends that held his arms and he continued to pray all day long because without people around us encouraging us, we want to give up in prayer. But they held up his hands and the battle belongs to the Lord. And he cried out to God. Moses learned that prayer precedes the victory. He learned Some of us, we give a nod to prayer and some of us, we're really convinced that God answers prayer. And which one is it for you? Because if you give God a nod to prayer, there's gonna be some things that happen that are good, but it's a whole different way to do life, convinced that God answers prayer. And Moses, if you watch the process, how he's learning to that, prayer is either your go-to or it's not. When things get difficult, prayer is either your go-to or it's not. And you can't really fake it. It either is or isn't. And as people were quitting, as people were drifting, as people were getting humanistic, as people had more degrees and more experience, as people got a little more full of themselves, prayer was and is declining. And that's where Jesus inserts this inspiring parable. And I think of inspiring with our young at hearts at our church. We have seniors in our church who have been praying for decades for us. Decades of prayer. We have seniors at our church who aren't as physically mobile right now, but you know, they come up to me and they say, I'm praying for you every day. And you know what, they come up to me and they say, I'm praying for our church every day. 
and they say it with sincerity and with conviction. They're just saying it because they're, so they're glorifying God. They're being faithful on their knees to pray for all of us. Can we give it up for our seniors who have been faithful for decades in prayer? Talking about taking the parable to heart. Not just taking a few notes, but taking it to heart. Well, in verse six, Jesus continues. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for the chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? And this second part of persistent prayer is that God's heart is compassionate and he welcomes you to boldly cry out to him. Jesus gives an interpretation of this parable, which is nice because sometimes the parables, it's not always clear. What is God saying? And when Jesus interprets the parables, it helps them, it helps us, and we really understand. Okay, there's a comparison and Jesus brings clarity here. He goes from lesser to greater, from an unjust judge to God who is the just judge. God has the final say, God is committed to justice. Sometimes justice happens immediately. Sometimes it takes a little while and sometimes it's in glory, but God will always bring about justice. He is just. He's also merciful and kind and patient. And what we're seeing in this parable is God's heart. There's a good lesson from a bad example. God is not like the unjust judge. He cares about people. He cares about needs. If the unjust judge had an answer, how much more does our heavenly father love us? In Luke chapter 11, starting in verse five, Jesus refers to another. And he says, Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Tell you even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Uh, Some comedy there in the Bible. Midnight request, knocking on your door, I don't want to get up out of bed. You know, go over to Fred Meyer. Safeway's still open. Go get something. And bam, 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 bam. Eventually, I'm not getting out of bed because of this great friendship. I'm just tired of my door knocking all the time. And because of that boldness, well, Jesus goes from lesser to greater. If that's how a friend responds, how much more does our heavenly father respond with compassion and with faithfulness? And you might push back and say, well, I pray and there's a delay. I don't get answers right away. That's right, that's right. There's a delay, but a delay doesn't mean denial. A delay doesn't mean denial. It doesn't mean God's indifferent. It doesn't mean he doesn't see you and hear you. It doesn't mean he neglects you or ignores you. That's not the case. The truth is God knows when that train needs to leave the station. And it'll leave the station when God tells the train to go. And so we pray. With prayer, there's a mystery and a clarity, and it's a both and. If anyone ever shows up and tells you, oh, I understand everything about prayer. I already got prayer figured out. That person's just a liar. Because there's clarity and there's mystery in prayer. 
And we don't know when we pray. Listen, we don't even know how to pray. The Bible says the Holy Spirit helps us when we pray. We don't know how God's gonna answer. There's so much we don't know. It's a both and, mystery and clarity. God's sovereignty and our responsibility. It's a both and in the Bible. Jesus is fully God and he's fully human. It's a both and in the Bible. Predestination and a choice and a will. It's a both and in the Bible. And then you say, well, that's a paradox. It is. We don't understand everything about that mystery, but what we know is biblically, this is true. Biblically, Jesus, we know is fully God and fully human. And you sort through the passages and sometimes his humanity shines, sometimes his deity shines, but it's a both and. And when it's a both and, instead of an either or, then we are freed up because now we're walking in truth and we're in alignment with the Bible. When it comes to prayer, there's mystery and there's clarity and it's a both and. Well, then why pray? Why pray if there's mystery? Here's a few reasons. I just started a list as I was preparing and I wanna share some of these with you. One, it's our true condition that we need God. It's character development that happens as we pray. Hope grows as we pray. We humble ourselves as we pray. Pride is chipped away. Pride is obliterated as we pray. There's closeness with God when we pray. Healthy communication in any relationship is important. It's certainly important in our relationship with God. And there's a spiritual battle between light and darkness. Demons, angels in the spiritual battle, battle prayer we put on our armor. Trust grows as you pray. As you pray, your trust in God grows. God gives you wisdom and redirects you as you pray. There's more revelation. God reveals to those who really humbly come before him. What God is doing becomes clearer. We unite when we pray. We are overcoming and rising above our challenges when we pray. Our hearts are transformed when we pray. Prayer is powerful and effective and ultimately prayer glorifies God. There's 15 reasons why we pray, amen? And that's just, that's just the start. Would you agree prayer is a, a good investment of our time and energy? Do you agree? Prayer is more than just a shift in behavioral modification. Prayer is so much more than just, okay, pastor, I'm gonna pray four more minutes. I'm gonna do four more minutes today. I heard you, pastor. I heard that parable. I've been praying a little short. I'm gonna add four minutes to my time. Check that one on my box so I can feel good about myself at the end of the night after four more minutes of prayer, just behavioral modification. You just missed the parable if that was the application because prayer is relational. And we pray because of who God is, what he's done, and what he wants to do. You see, when you know God's heart, that moves you to pray. Bartimaeus was a blind man, and you know, he cried out to Jesus. The people around him, they said, quiet down. I guarantee if you get serious about prayer and fasting and you go for it, there's gonna be people around you who say, why are you doing that? Why are you putting your time into that? You're seeking God so much. Come on, there's better things. It's gonna come. Bartimaeus experienced it. And you know what? When that happened, the Bible says he cried out all the more. That just fueled his prayer. When people told him, you're praying too much, you're worshiping too much, you're seeking God too much, he was like, game on. You haven't seen anything yet. And he cried out even more. And why did he cry out? Because he wants Jesus. He knows the goodness of Jesus. And he knows the heart of Jesus. 
When you know the heart of Jesus, that leads to prayer. You seek God. And Bartimaeus, a blind man, can show the disciples how to pray. You don't have to go to seminary to be an example of how to pray. It's just a hungry heart that sees the goodness of God and cries out to him. And it's not a performance. It's just a cry of your heart to trust God and to appeal to his grace in your life. Well, the parable ends with a question. And in verse eight, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The third truth with persistent prayer is that the kingdom advances with persistent prayers that are rewarded with God's presence. The first question in the Bible is Genesis chapter three, and God says to Adam and Eve, where are you? Do you know what that question means? Where are you? It means Adam and Eve, there's something missing in your life. And it's the abiding, it's the presence and the closeness with God. Where are you today? Well, I'm at Grace Community Church. No, no, no. Where are you? Where are you? Because Adam and Eve wander and we wander. And God graciously asked the question, where are you? God so often stirs us with a question. Jesus has a question here. He's really asking, when I return, where is the fervent prayer going to be? Who's going to be praying fervently when I return? And it's a question that gets our attention. It's a powerful question. Spurgeon says this. Spurgeon says, whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. If you may have everything by asking in his name and nothing without asking, I beg you to see how absolutely vital that prayer is. I was at a conference, World Vision Conference this week and 500 pastors gathered from around the world. It was a sweet time. Uh, Praise God from our church, Carol Danner and her leadership. She led the conference. It's amazing. Don Lee was an, an MC facilitating, guiding, setting the tone, threw a few dad jokes in there too. And then Tori Olson uh, led a time of talking about restrictive areas in the world and how God is historically, amazingly breaking into parts of the world that previously have not seen the light and love of Jesus like they do right now. It's an incredible time. I was there and you know, as I was taking it in and talking to pastors, being with pastors, 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 right? And, uh, I just want to say that pastors are a unique group. You know, there was question and answer. And what I started to notice, because at the end of workshops, question and answer. Pastors have a real hard time asking questions. They like to talk. And so their questions would be, here's my first point, here's my second point, and here's my third point. And then one guy literally said, you know, I'm not sure I have a question. And the pastors behind me said, yeah, I'm not hearing a question. And then he said, as I close, and the pastor's behind me said, let's just take up an offering right here. It was supposed to be a question. What I'm saying is that there's a report that pastors are not satisfied overall with their prayer lives. If you ask pastors, are you where you wanna be with prayer? When they're honest, pastors would say, no. I've got a whole ways to grow. 
And, you know, I think of that in my own life. This is an area I need to grow. And then when you look at Barnum's statistics, uh, he reports that when it comes to prayer, over 90% of prayer happens for people alone. And I know the West is individualistic, but in the Bible, you can't help but notice how much prayer is together. And we're praying over 90% of the time just alone. Could it be that we're missing out on something that's so biblically strong? And also, Barna says, over 80% of the prayer times, no words, just thoughts. Could it be, as you look through the Bible and the words and the prayers that are spoken, could it be that we need to grow and expand so prayer is not just alone and silent, but prayer is something we do together? Can we say, let's pray? Let's pray. Let's pray. In the book of Acts, what you see, the start of the church, there's 120 gathered together to pray. It says men and women, they're day and night, they're praying, they receive God's presence, the Holy Spirit, Pentecost. Opposition comes, they gather together, let's pray. God, give us, give us more boldness and more opportunities, even though we might die, give us more boldness. When Jesus said the Lord's Prayer, Father, forgive us, 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 us. When Peter's in prison, the, the, together the church is praying. They're praying, and then Peter realizes after he leaves, and God, amazing rescue, that wow, the church was praying together, praying together. In the West, it's really hard to gather people to pray together. Sometimes we're just self-conscious. Sometimes we're fearful to pray with other people. Sometimes it's just not convenient, but I'm telling you, there's power when you pray alone and there's power when you pray with other people. And if you're not intentional in the West, you won't pray with other people. And one of my roles as a pastor is so often, I've been for 20 years trying to encourage people to pray together out loud, more, together, out loud. Why do I do that? I'm not trying to check any boxes. I just see that's Jesus, that's the disciples, that's the early church, that's the Bible. You pray out loud fervently together. So now, uh, this challenging everybody, isn't it? What, what, what do I say? The more prayer, the more of God's presence. The more prayer, the more of God's peace. And the more prayer, the more of God's power. And none of us are ever gonna flip or change that. This is the kingdom. This is how the kingdom works. I believe that there'll be prayer and repentance before you see revival in America. There'll be prayer and repentance before our land experiences healing. And we see so many turning to Jesus. We're seeing starts of that right now. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, you think of the end times. Because of the increase in wickedness, the end times before Christ's return, the love of of most will grow cold. Prayer will start to fade for so many. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. What you'll see before Jesus returns is that some will quit praying and some will fervently be devoted to prayer. And some will be silent and some will spread the gospel. Widely is what I'm trying to say. Uh, That's what's gonna happen. And where do you want to be on this side of history? Well, again, the greatest gift from God is his presence. In Luke 11 is the last verse I want to highlight. 
in verse nine. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Again, imperfect verb. Keep seeking, keep asking, keep knocking. Everyone who receives... And then we go to the uh, verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake, because some fish looks like snakes, or ask for an egg, will give him a scorpion. There's some white scorpions that look like eggs. God's not gonna give you the scorpion and the snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? From the lesser to the greater. God gives gifts, 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 but the greatest gift is his presence. More of God's presence. More of his presence. Let let me ask you today, as we close, perseverance in prayer, persistence in prayer, an encouraging parable. What situation are you in right now that can motivate you to pray? What would it look like for you as deep calls out to deep in prayer? When you think about God's heart, how does that inspire you to pray? For such a time as this, the kingdom is advancing through the persistent prayers of God's people. There's breakthroughs and ultimately God's presence. When we say, let us pray, what we're saying is, let's make room for God in our lives. Let's welcome God. Let's welcome his presence. Let's welcome his leadership. Let's bow down to God. Let's submit to God. Let's trust God. Let's listen to God. Let's receive from God wisdom and strength and courage. Let's not fight it anymore. Where are you? Let's not resist anymore, but let's pray together. Let's pray out loud. Let's keep praying. Let's not give up. Why? Because in God's presence, there's the fullness of joy and peace. There is fullness in God's presence. God, thank you for visiting. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for residing. Thank you for leading. God, forgive us our prayerlessness. We're not here just to shift behavior. We're here to return to you. God, open the eyes of our heart that we may see you, that we may see your throne of grace. Jesus, that we may see you on the right hand of the Father interceding for us, that we may see and know the Holy Spirit in us, helping us, We don't want to be drowsy. We don't want to be distracted. God, awaken your people to pray. Teach us how to pray. That's our cry. Teach us. Break through in homes with husband and wives who haven't prayed together in a long time. With kids who haven't heard their parents praying in a long time. With grandparents who can teach the next generation how to pray. God, forgive us in our prosperity for our lack of prayer. Forgive us for thinking that just more methods and more effort are gonna be the breakthrough. God, we humble ourselves before you today. Jesus, we hear this parable. We don't wanna give up. We wanna stay faithful till you return. God, thank you for your mercy. We cry out together. We don't even know the words to say, but like Bartimaeus, we say, Jesus, have mercy. Jesus, come and heal. Jesus, show us your glory in this place today as we seek you and we bow down before you, Lord, and our hearts open and our mouths open to give you praise and to give you our prayers. We pray in your name.